normally uh, speak in series, but I finished a long series on faith. And uh, how many know last time put it into practice? Uh, but today's this little standalone message. Uh, and I want to talk to you about seven things to know about life's hard places. Anybody ever been in a hard place? How many think you might have another one or two sometime in your future? Well, just get ready. Hardships are a part of life, of course. And um, uh, because of the day we're living in, I mentioned in the transition, you know, uh, challenges are in our future. Uh, I put it in my notes. It's kind of strange. Uh, in fact, uh, we have one of our mission supports, uh, Clifton Chin. He says uh, from, you know, he, he speaks in, in uh, he, he, uh, Taiwanese, I guess, but he can't say the word glory, so he says goy to gory. And so I put in my notes, right now in our future, we're, we're going to also, we're going to have the gory and the glory all, all at the same time. So uh, Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2 is familiar. I say it all the time. Arise, shine, your lights come. Glory of the Lord's risen upon you. Darkness will cover the earth. That's happening right now. And let me just say this tremendous instability all over the world right now. We are on the threshold of another world war. Did you, are you aware of that? Um, uh, you have to really listen and look around to find the truth now uh, when you look at the media sources and such. And I, I look around a lot. It takes more time than I like, but I do it just to keep abreast of what's happening. But there's a huge troop buildup right now in, uh, in Russia. Did you know that? 300,000, I think the news picked that up. There's also a couple hundred thousand troops in China doing something. They're not sure. There's also uh, some kind of guys on the street, a bunch of uh, troops on the street in London, England, as well as Germany. Have you heard that? So nobody knows really what's happening or going on. I'm just saying it feels like we're on the precipice of some huge changes worldwide, perhaps uh, war, another war. Um, there's a huge instability in the financial markets. How many know it really is a time to trust God? And then there's cultural changes happening worldwide. All of this bespeaks the Antichrist, which, which the Bible says will come. Uh, he calls him the man of lawlessness, the man of sin. John called him the Antichrist in the book of 1 John. Uh, but nonetheless, the attitude that he has and the spirit that he portrays is, is going on worldwide, and we just need to be aware of that. And that's why it seems to be getting darker, but he said darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, and perhaps that speaks to the morals of our time. But he said, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Is that good news or what? So, uh, so that's why I say gory and glory, both at the same time manifesting. Jesus said this, John 16, 33, Amplified New Testament, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence in the world. You'll have tribulation, trials, distress, frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. I love that. For I've overcome the world, I've deprived it of power to harm you, and have conquered it for you. Is that good? So let's talk a little bit about challenges, the challenging times that life brings sometimes we respond to tough places with anger with frustration sometimes we get involved in self-pity when we turn in and look at ourselves depression fear even resignation not wanting to believe that what's happening is happening aggravated sometimes we harden our hearts and get angry at God because uh, things don't look like we want them to look hopefully have you ever done that we all have been challenged with some of these things in the past but what I, what I want you to see today is give you some perspective in the hard place. God wants to use every hard place as, as a way to help us grow spiritually. Yes or no? 
Uh, in fact, this really shocked me. Kenneth Hagen, uh, back at one of the schools I attended back in the early 1980s, uh, said this. And, and I didn't understand. I was like 21, 22 years old when I heard this. I didn't understand it. Now I've lived enough life. In fact, my birthday is not this week, but the week after. And uh, I'll be uh, 64 years young. But in my 20s, I heard this. I thought, oh, what are you talking about? He said this, hard places are God's methods of taking you to deeper places in him. Wow. I thought, wait, 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 wait. You, you got something messed up there. And now I can tell you on the other side of, of my life journey, I can tell you that hard places, they can make you or you can let them break you. And then I choose to let them make me. How about you? So we'll talk about that today with these seven things I'm going to talk about real quickly. Uh, Matthew 4, 1, this is, this is odd. How many know Jesus was led, listen, led by the Holy Spirit into a hard place, the wilderness? to be tempted by the devil. In fact, Luke 4 says the same thing. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, now he's full of the Holy Ghost, uh, returned from the Jordan River where he was baptized by John. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, led by the Spirit into the wilderness, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You get it? Where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days, ate nothing and became very hungry. So again, uh, did you know, have you ever thought that sometimes God will allow you and lead you into a hard place in life? It's a challenging thought, but you know, he knows us. He knows what we need. Then speak, talking and thinking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit on purpose, leading him into a hard place. Notice what Hebrews 5, 8 says, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal uh, salvation to all who believe. So let me, let me clarify what I mean by the tough place, the hard place. The Bible says, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes or no? So what I'm not talking about is accidents, sickness, disease, ill health. Yeah, God doesn't get involved in that. He won't lead you to have an accident. He won't lead you to go get sick somewhere. No, he's, he made, Jesus' blood has made provision for your healing and, from your, and for, uh, for your protection from calamity. Yes or no? So, what I am talking about, just the hard places. What is a hard place in life? It's a place you'd rather not be. You'd rather the circumstances not be the way they are, doing what they're doing to you, aggravating you the way they are. You know, you're not, you're not humming that tune, everything's going my way. You're humming something else. Like, uh, oh my. So, um, that's part of life. So, that's what I'm talking about. And uh, as we go there, I, I just want you to recognize, again, I'm not talking about uh, uh, accidents. I'm not talking about illness. I'm just talking about the hard places of life. A good example is the Apostle Paul's life, 2 Corinthians 1. Listen to what he said. This is the Passion Translation. It made it so clear. Brothers and sisters, verse 8, 2 Corinthians 1, you need to know about the severe trials we experienced when we were in western Turkey. All of the hardships we passed through crushed us beyond our ability to endure. Now that's pretty tough, would you say? And we were so completely overwhelmed that we were about to give up entirely. I felt like we had a death sentence written upon our hearts and we still feel it to this day. And here's the crux of it. This is what it taught him. It has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves mm. and to place all of our trust in the God who raises the dead. So sometimes 
God will put you in a place where it looks like you're not going to make it. It feels like you're not going to make it. It looks like calamity is around the corner. It looks like there's no way of escape. And it looks like there's nothing you're going to do about it. And what Paul said there, he said, it taught us to trust God who raises the dead. We didn't have a way. We can't do it ourselves. It's God. If we're getting through this, it's God, right? That's what he's saying. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 6. He explains it uh, again. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find a fault in our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we're true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles, hardships, calamities of every kind. We've been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, gone without food. Wow. So he went through a tough place and then skipping down 2 Corinthians 11, uh, he enumerates and lists again the challenges he faced in life. This is what, what I'm calling the hard place. Are they servants of Christ? He says, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. They put him on his back on the ground, put his feet up in the air and whipped the bottom of his feet with uh, rods and made them hamburger meat. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced dangers from rivers, from robbers. I've faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry, thirsty, and often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all of the churches. He's talking about the churches that he established. So as long as we live, hard times will come. And again, Paul enumerates lists, the hard places that he that he went through in life. Now, we may not endure the kinds of struggles that Paul did, but, you know, if you live long enough, you'll say, I've been through some stuff that I wasn't sure was going to make it. I didn't like it. It was hard for me. I wanted to quit. But how many know, if you know Jesus, quitting is not an option. So what am I going to do with a hard place? So understand this again. Understand the difference between demonic intrusion into your life and a God-ordained character development time. You get the difference? So can there be hard places that are actually what I just said, God-ordained character development times? You ever been through any of those? So here's seven things that I have gleaned as I've gone through hard places that I want to encourage you in. As we go into the future, and and you know, uh, we really don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, how long it is, and blah, blah, blah. But what we do know is in the middle of whatever's coming, the glory of God wants to manifest. And God wants us to minister life to other people. Yes or no? So number one, seven things you need to know. Number one, God will sometimes allow your comfortable nest to be stirred in order to grow spiritually. I get that from Exodus 19 and Deuteronomy 32, both of which... Talk about uh, uh, Israel being a a baby eagle and God being the eagle himself. You have seen what I did, Exodus 19, 4, to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. 
And then listen to Deuteronomy 32, 11, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him, speaking of Israel, and there was no foreign God with him. So what is he talking about? An eagle, a big nest on the crag of a mountain somewhere way up high, uh, uh, baby eagle hatches, uh, down feathers in the bottom of the in the bottom of the nest, and then uh, mama's feeding him. Life is a lap of luxury and wonderfulness. And suddenly one day, uh, mother begins to take all the down feathers out of the bottom of the, of the thorn-infested bottom of the nest. So he gets stuck with the thorns, gets on the side of the nest. And then mama comes, he thinks, to feed him food. And instead of feeding him food, she takes her beak and knocks him off the side of the nest He plummets down to the ground, which is way, 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 way down, you know, the side of a a cliff or a mountain or whatever. And just before the baby eagle hits the ground, he hasn't developed the ability to fly. His muscles aren't strong and taut, and he can't carry the weight of his body. So mama scoops down, and that's what this verse is saying. Mama scoops down just before the baby eagle hits the ground, picks him up on her back, and brings him back up to the nest. He said, whoo, man, I thought I was going to die, only to be put on the side of the nest. And mama repeat that over and over again. Mama went cuckoo. Mama's crazy. No, mama's trying to get you to fly yourself. And mama knows if you don't have opposition and you don't have resistance, your muscles will never never form and you'll never be able to carry your body weight and, and mama will not be able to feed you long enough and you'll eventually die of starvation unless you learn how to fly and get your food yourself. That's what God was saying to the Israelites. How many times have God has God taken you out of your comf- comfortable nest of life? I can give you a few, just one illustration from my life, probably 30, uh, 30, 30 years ago, 30-something years ago, a little over that, probably one of the uh, most difficult tests of my life where God took me out of my comfortable nest. I was 30 years old. I started a church in a small town, and, uh, and God was wanting to uh, deliver me from, from some things that would have eventually ruined my life. I didn't see them as a young man, but as I went through the hardship, I saw it. Ministry had become an idol. I had to be in ministry. And I didn't know it was an idol to me. It's something that I, that I thought was so important I had to have. And God said, you don't need anything but me. I was also a workaholic. A workaholic gets his good feeling from life by accomplish, accomplishment. You ought to get who you are, <laughs> excuse me, and how you feel about life from your relationship with Jesus. And so I was a workaholic and didn't know it. And then pride was a deep issue in my life. And if you're proud, you don't even know you're proud. Uh, And it takes somebody else to show you sometimes. How many know that? That's why God will sometimes give you a good spouse to show you who you are and where you're at, right? So anyway, um, I call it, um, I am a failure day came to my life because I wrote in my journal, I am a failure. I'm a failure as a minister. I'm a failure as a, as a daddy. I'm a failure as a provider. I'm a failure as a husband. Uh, I'm a failure as a man. I am a failure. Now, that sounds awful, and really it is awful, but, you know, when I go back and look at my journal, that was the day that God had kicked me out of my comfortable life nest. And, and, and just the pressure of circumstance forced me to realize who I was and how much I needed the Lord to help me. And sometimes you don't really see what you need uh, un, until, you, until you fall from your nest 
and, 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 and become very uncomfortable. How many hear me? So God has a way of kicking us out of our nest to help us grow spiritually. Number two, so, so you may be in the middle of a nest time, a, a lack of nest time. Maybe your comfortable nest is gone. And maybe you're going through a hard place right now and you can't make heads nor tails of it. You say, well, I didn't do anything to get myself here. It just happened. Or maybe you did do something to get yourself where you are right now. I just want you to know God wants to use every hard place to minister to us. And you'll see it as we go along. Uh, Second thing uh, uh, that I found out, God has promised he'll make a way for us through the hard place. I was, um, sometimes it looks like things will never change that, uh, and that's where really you learn to fight the good fight of faith is is in the middle of the of the challenge. And and sometimes it may feel like you're gonna. You ever felt like going through something and it feels like I'm not. I don't know if I'm gonna make it through this one. You ever you ever been there? That's a really tough place to be. I was sulking one day, a particularly grueling test years ago, and uh, you know I was pitying myself and wanting God to say, "Me, it'll be okay." Instead of that, I heard His voice inside me, "Get up." I mean, you know, my, my daddy, when he was upset with me, my real name is Mitchell, not Mitch. And nobody calls me Mitchell but my daddy who's upset with me or my mama when I was young. But nobody calls me, you call me Mitchell soon? Yay, Mitch. Uh, but, but I heard God say, get up. And it's just like my dad was saying. When my dad was upset with me, he said, Mitchell. Oh, he called my middle name, Mitchell Irwin. And I said, oh, man, my goose is cooked. Well, when God said this inside of me, because I was wanting him to pity me, uh, I heard insect, get up, get up. And I was sitting on my bed. My family, my kids were at school. I had a business. Uh, Susan was at work, and uh, I was sulking. I was upset. I was angry, and God said, get up. I went outside. We had 10 oak trees in my backyard, and I started walking back and forth. And when he told me to get up, he said, take your Bible with you. And I'm not kidding. I just went... Went through my Bible and somehow I found these scriptures just fell into my lap, so to speak. Here they are. This encouraged me that even though you're going through a hard place, God Almighty can get you out of that tough spot. Psalm 27, 5. This is God's word translation. He hides me in his shelter where there's trouble. When there's trouble, he keeps me hidden in his tent. He sets me on a high a rock, high on a rock. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions, that is, the tests, the trials of the righteous. Uh, but the Lord delivers him out of some of them sometimes. No, all of them, right? Psalm 37, 39, and 40, but salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them, deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture today, so all of this is online. My notes are online, and they're there in Fanatum. Uh, I encourage you to get this and go over these scriptures and read them over and over again. Is it okay if I give you a bunch of scripture today? Because, <coughs> I, uh, listen, I think it'll help. Psalm 46, verse 1, Amplified uh, uh, Old Testament. God is our refuge and strength. Amplified says, mighty and impenetrable to temptation. A very present and well-proved help in trouble. Is that good to know? Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Psalm 86, verse 7, in the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, the psalmist said, for you will answer me. Then Psalm 91, familiar, 14 through 16. But he, because he set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, that is the believer, 
And I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with a long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation or my deliverance. That is, he'll help you get through the hard place, right? And then Romans 8, 37 amplified, yet amid all these things were more than conquerors through um, and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. My former pastor, were, uh, the first church I was uh, a part of the staff team of uh, Bobby Andin said this, if Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, that means when you're going through a hard place, God had to answer for you in the hard spot in life before you ever got there. Is that good news? So ask God for deliverance. For me, when I'm in a hard spot, first thing I says, okay, God, are you kicking, are you, are you unfeathering my nest? Are you, are you putting me in a place where I'll, I'll, I'll figure out what's going on and what, what needs to be changed in my life? Are you helping me out a little bit here? Second thing is, God, whatever is necessary, may I see the other side of this in, in a victorious way, right? Number three, keep the big picture in mind. And how many know that's really important? And, you know, as a leader, I'm constantly not just looking at today, I'm always looking at the big picture of uh, where we are as a ministry and where we're going. Romans 8, 28, Amplified, we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together, and I like the way it says it, and are fitting into a plan for good. Everybody say it out loud. God is fitting into a plan for good the things in my life. It says here, and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. Message paraphrase says this. That's why we can be so sure that every detail of our lives of love for God is worked into something good. So God takes advantage of challenging times to work in our character. Romans 8.18 says this, yet uh, what we suffer now is nothing to be compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. I told him to give you a bunch of scripture. Y'all okay? This is New Living Translation. That is why we never give up. Maybe I should say that again. That is why we never give up. Do you ever want to give up? Have you ever had the pressure on you so much that you think inside, I'm done with this? Anytime my mind's ever said, I'm done with this, I hear inside, no, you're not. He said here, this is why we never give up, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. This is perspective, guys. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that can't be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Message paraphrase, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though we're on the, out, on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. That's far more here. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see uh, now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. One thing I often do when I'm in a hard place, sometimes I kick back and assess 
Okay, how did I get there here? What did I do to uh, what did I do to help this along or cause this problem? Or maybe I didn't do anything. It just uh, it just fell upon me. This hard place, this tough event of life. But then I sit there with perspective and. And here's what I think about. One day I'm standing before Jesus and all I want is that finger pointing in my face saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And then don't forget when Jesus comes back, we got a thousand years to rule and reign with him here on earth while he puts all of his enemies under his feet. And then we got eternity uh, with God in, 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 a, in a glorified body that can... Uh, that can, uh, has, has different powers of locomotion that we know today. You can be anywhere at the speed of thought. So, you know, you get to thinking about that. It put gifts perspective to the now, which may be a grueling now, but we got a grand future. Yes or no? Number four, hard places help purify character. Now, this is a, this is something we all need to know. The hard place and God, for instance, leading Jesus into the wilderness, uh, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. And we, you know, the hard place can reveal the flaws in our lives. Job 23, 10. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Psalm 66, 10. For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. And then another verse right along with that, Psalm Isaiah 48, 10. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you. Then he shows you what the fire is in the furnace of affliction, hard times, tests, trials. So see, uh, hard places in life, in our lives, are likened to the furnace that uh, precious metals are put into. And the more you turn the heat up on precious metals like silver and gold, the, the alloys and the other substances that are in that metal come to the surface and then you know, the metallurgist scoops them off the top. And that's what God does in our lives. When the pressure's on, who you really are appears. You can be nice and sweet, almost smarmy. Aren't you so sweet? But when the stuff hits the fan and life becomes aggravating, who you really are shines brightly. Isn't that exciting? I think I'll just stop and say this right now. I, uh, I have to be, can I be real? The last mm, one year has been extremely difficult with respect to this building. And I've come to the end of Mitch a number of times. Uh, the latest one last week, I mean, I'm ready to kick something. I'm ready to do something. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I, I think I mentioned it to Susan. I said, Susan, you know, if, I was, if I'd gone through this test, you know, the building thing hasn't gone the way we thought. The world's changed and suppliers have changed and then even the work ethic of people has changed. And it's just been challenging for me because I'm a get it done while I go kind of guy. And it hadn't happened that way. And uh, I told Susan, I said, you know, God's done a big work. And I had a meeting with a friend this week. I said the same thing. If this kind of test had been in my life just 10 years ago, I'm not sure how I'd have done. But, you know, um, it's just been different. And God's developed something in me. I, I didn't know he could in the middle of this. To me, it's just been a grueling thing. How many hear what I'm saying? So, see, I'll look, I look back on this one day. We'll have that building finished. The school will be going uh, what I failed to mention during the offering time is for those that don't know, we're building a, a building for children. We're going to have a child care and, and, uh, and also a Christian school, uh, Victory Academy. Isn't that exciting? Let's see, it's a test before we get there. But we're going to look at it after that's open, after that's going. I'll look back on that and say, you know, God did something really big in me 
uh, with the building of that building and the refurbishing of our whole campus here. I'll look back on that one day. Jesus said this, John 15, 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. What do you do with a bush or a tree? You prune it back, you cut some of the limbs off, and it just makes the makes the whole, uh, the whole bush or tree stronger, right? And that's the way life is. First Peter 1, 6 and 7, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. What is tested by fire? Your faith, your character, who you are, what you believe may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4, 12, Amplify. Beloved, do not be amazed and bewildered at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test your quality as though something strange, unusual, and alien to you in your position were befalling you. But insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, rejoice so that when His glory full of radiance and splendors revealed, you may also rejoice with triumph exultantly. So he said, don't be upset when the trials come. Understand God's working something of eternal value in you. Yes or no? Then this is really interesting and insightful. Exodus 13, speaking of the Israelites and God's relationship with them, came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go from Egypt that God did not, watch this, did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. That is, he didn't take them the easiest, uh, the, 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 the shortest path. Uh, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt, verse 18. So God led the people around the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. What did God do? He, he realized that the people of Israel, they had been in bondage for 400 years. They had untempered character. And they weren't ready for a big war with, a, with, a, with another group of people. So he took them out of the way into a place of testing to prove himself, to show himself strong, to show them that they can trust him for their food, for the necessities of life. Life, for their water. God made water come out of a rock for them in the, in, in the wilderness, did he not? In fact, God, beginning at Exodus 16, God rained down manna from heaven to feed over two and a half million people. And when they begin to complain about the heaven food God rained down, he sent coveys of quail enough to feed two and a half million people. God showed himself strong. He showed that he can be trusted, yes or no? so that they could be ready when their enemies came to fight against us and them. And so again, also for us, the tests and trials of life prepare us. They temper our character and get us ready for the things ahead of us. There are opportunities to show how strong God is. Again, I've used this example before, but my pastor in Tulsa, Bob Yandin, uh, worked uh, in, the oil, uh, in the oil field industry uh, when he was a young man in college and they were making piping for the oil industry, which is strong in some parts of the Midwest, it was then, and uh, he said they would hook hoses on the end of these steel pipes that would go deep, deep into the ground to retrieve the oil. And he said those pipes would be laying in a row, you know, uh, on the platform. And he said they'd hook, uh, hook high-pressure steam 
uh, on each end of the uh, on each end of the pipe and run it through the pipe. And then they would just his job was just to turn the pressure up. You know, two thousand pounds per square inch, twenty five hundred pounds per square inch, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand. He says he turned the the psi up. He said little tiny pinholes that are invisible to the naked eye would appear, and you could hear pss, 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 all over the place. Had those had those pipes been put in the ground untested and not uh, uh, and not ready for the pressure exerted against them, they would have failed. They would have not been been successful in retrieving the oil. It would have failed the machinery. So again, think about your life when you're going through a hard place. That pressure reveals the flaws, and Jesus wants to scoop them off. Yes or no? It's a big deal when you're going through a hard place. Number five, learn to encourage yourself. David and his men, uh, they came back to their city after having been on a military campaign, and the Amalekites had come and, and ravaged their city, taken their goods, and had taken their wives and children. And the men were so upset, they were ready to stone David. He didn't know what to do. I mean, you're the leader. Why did you lead us into battle? And we, we left nobody back to take care of our homeland. What are we going to do now? And it says in verse 6, 1 Samuel 30, David was greatly distressed for the men spoke of stoning him because of the souls of them all were bitterly grieved, each man for his sons and daughters. But David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Wow. How did he do that? <coughs> That's the question. Psalm 103, 1 and 2. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. So again, how did David encourage himself? Let me, before I answer, let me read this verse on 105. First five verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him, sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Sink his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Me, I keep a running list. What did David do? He remembered what God had done, how he had delivered him from the from the paw of the bear, from the mouth of the lion, how God had used him to kill the Philistine giant named uh, Goliath and how God had delivered him time and time again in battle and he encouraged himself on the Lord by remembering the history of what God had done in his life. Isn't that awesome? So how about you? I keep a running list in my head and I don't know how many times in my personal prayer life when I'm going through a hard place, I'll go all the way back 46 years ago when I met the Lord and you know, a time he healed me from a really serious thing when he, when he helped me in a circumstance, when he helped me on a test in Bible school that I, you know, it looked like I wasn't going to make it through when he, you know, when he did this, that, and the other, and on and on and on through the decades of my life. See, the longer you live, the bigger the list. Now, I keep an encouragement file, and uh, it used to be, you know, when people, uh, they don't send many now, but hard copy, you know, items in the mail, sometimes letters, notes, before the internet, I've got a bunch of them. Uh, I call it my encouragement file. And now text messages, you know, you can retrieve them or emails or anything somebody sends to me that's an encouragement and they keep it in a place. I keep it in a place. When I'm in a hard place, I'll go back and look at it and read it because the enemy wants to tell you you're going to fail. 
and nobody cares, and that nothing could be further from the truth. How many hear me? David encouraged himself when nobody was for him, everybody was against him. And, then with, and sometimes you may find a time in life, hey, nobody there is going to encourage you. You've got to encourage yourself. Do you have a way to do that? You know, many has been the time, I love physical activity, so I exercise a lot. And many times I've gone on long prayer walks. And during those walks, I can't tell you how many times I've said, God, this happened, this happened, this happened. But you know, you remember what you did there, there. You remember what you did there. You remember how you answered that prayer. You remember how you came through for me there. When you get to the end of that kind of conversational prayer with God, you will be encouraged. How many here? Number six, attitude can raise altitude. Attitude keeps uh, us ahead of the battle and keeps us dependent on the Father. So for me, when I'm in a hard place, it's important for me that I don't let my attitude sour. And here are some scripture that I read if I'm tempted to let my attitude go south. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9, amplified, however, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel and frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. We're hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to to find a way out, but not driven to despair. We pursued, persecuted, hard-driven, but not deserted to stand alone. We're struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. Sometimes I read that and I just got to say, well, there you go. I'm going to make it. Romans 5, 3, moreover, let us be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patience and unswerving endurance. And endurance fortitude develops maturity of character, approved faith and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. See, read stuff like that when the attitude wants to sour, right? And then James 1, 2, this is one of the best friends I have in my life. James 1, 2, Phillips translation, J.B. Phillips when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Well, hello, friend. Oh, trouble, hello, friend. Hardship, hello, friend. Pressure, hello, friend. Yeah, right? Welcome them as friends. Realize they come to test your faith and to produce in you quality of endurance. Devil, you think you're gonna sink my ship. It's gonna make it stronger. But let the process go on until the endurance is fully developed. And you will find that you have become men of mature character, men of integrity with no weak spots. Isn't that awesome? 2 Corinthians 4, 18, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever again somebody said hardship is just another opportunity for God to prove that he is faithful to us then Arthur S. Way translated uh, the epistles of Paul and the Psalms uh, the Psalms in poetic prose it's really awesome but here's Arthur S. Way's translation of Philippians 4:11. I think I put this on my Facebook account this morning I have learned in whatever condition I am to be independent of circumstances now, there's a strong person that is not swayed by what's going on. 
I am schooled to bear the depths of poverty. I'm schooled to bear abundance in life as a whole in all its circumstances. I have mastered the secret of living, how to be the same amidst repletion and starvation, amidst abundance and privation. I am equal to every lot through the help of him who gives me inward strength. The very thank you thing that the enemy thinks is going to sink you and other people think are going to ruin you, it just makes you stronger. How many hear me? Hmm. So last thing, number seven, praise releases God's power in the middle of your circumstance. I've learned that in life. First Thess- uh, Thessalonians 5.18, again, amplified New Testament. Thank God. In everything, no matter what the circumstance may be, be thankful and give thanks for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. I love this, Habakkuk 3, 17, 18, even though the fig tree are an agrarian culture, although the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails, the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Isn't that good? And then they don't forget uh, Paul and Silas, Acts 16. They delivered a little girl from demon possession. A mob quickly formed against them. The city officials beat them with wooden rods. They were severely beaten. They were thrown into prison. And uh, the jailers were um, uh, ordered to make sure they didn't escape. They put them in the inner dungeon. I mean the stinky, nasty, dark place in the bottom. And clamped their feet in stocks around midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They ought to have been griping and complaining. But they knew the power of praise and worship. And God got to stomp on his foot. And they got freed from their shackles. In fact, everybody in the prison was set free. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, Psalm 1611, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 22, 3, God inhabits the praises of his people. Praise creates strength. So for me, the times I, I do a lot of praise and worship in my personal life is when I'm not feeling right, when things are wrong, when I'm going through a test, when I'm aggravated, when things aren't going my way, when it looks like it's not going to work out right. That's when I turn up my worship. I literally start every day singing. I started this morning. I have a little chair I kneel at. I love to kneel and pray because it reminds me to keep myself humble before God. And this morning, I heard him say sing to, and I, I sang three or four songs before I even started praying. Well, I said, why do you do that? Because praise brings the presence of God. And while I was singing this morning, the presence of God filled me. I've been on the mission field 10,000 miles from home. Many of you have had jobs or maybe you've been in the military, you've traveled, and you don't know another soul in the world around you. I have felt beleaguered. I have felt alone. I've felt demon powers trying to keep me from ministry and all kinds of crazy thoughts. In those times, I have made myself worship. I have made myself stop what I'm doing sometimes, get out of bed in the middle of the night and begin to worship and praise my God. And I want you to know when you enter into praise and worship the atmosphere around you will break because God inhabits your worship. How many hear me?